Hey guys, Anthony here and this is SAS Stories. One of the biggest challenges of running a SaaS startup is actually selling your software. You're in a catch-22 situation really, you struggle to sell without brand recognition, but you can't get brand recognition without sales. It doesn't help that for many founders, their skills lie in their innovative ideas, and they may have never had any sales and marketing training at all. It's quite ironic that it's one of the, the most important functions in most companies, but yet the qualification or the training is often um, non-existent. That was Alan Gleason. Alan is a B2B SaaS marketing consultant and the founder of Work with Agility. Through his consultancy, he aims to plug that marketing skills gap in the industry with a one-stop shop marketing powerhouse for startups who might be reluctant or budget-restricted when it comes to hiring a full-time marketing resource of their own. Alan has seen big changes in the software market from the days he first got started. We were selling software in boxes and we were selling software in stores and we were having people download it and there was only releases once a year. It was a very different world. His many years of experience in marketing have given him a solid track record of success. And it's this expertise we're hoping to tap into today. Lucky for us, Alan's knowledge really shines when it comes to SaaS startups. My sweet spot is is SaaS companies, particularly B2B ones. So they're usually funded, so they have some budget because, of course, if there's zero budget, it's very difficult to, to make a real impact. B2B software sales is still a relatively new market in the grand scheme of things. And it's an area Alan thinks has great potential for growth, particularly in Europe. There isn't a huge amount of expertise in Europe. Again, it's a relatively new space, as I mentioned, and sort of there hasn't been the huge levels of exits. The ecosystem isn't as mature as the US. Many of the commentators I read and sort of enjoy are male US um, VCs in many instances. So you know, the unit economics of SaaS make it a very, very interesting model, a business model, which is why it's attracted so much funding. However, most startups approach selling their software the wrong way. According to Alan, one big issue that hinders the success of some startups is that they launch their solution without a clear understanding for what is known in the industry as product market fit. Product market fit is a concept that isn't that widely understood. And I guess if you unpack that, what it's saying is that most technology and SaaS startups are created by people on on the sort of supply side. They decide to build some software on the assumption that that there's big demand for it. And that's why it's exciting and interesting because you're sort of groundbreaking and you're going out to look to create um, a market. The danger of not understanding this concept is that you could end up spending months, if not years, building your software only to launch and find out that there's little demand for it or worse, people are simply not interested in it. According to Alan, it's for this reason that many new sales methodologies emphasise the importance of making those early days of launch more like research projects. You build a prototype with a sufficient number of features to be of value, but not quite a fully-fledged product. Then hit the streets to find out if there's a demand for it talking to people who are likely to have a need for the problem that you're looking to solve. And this is a crucial piece. You, you don't just talk to you know, people that are connected to you or your friends and family. You've got to talk to the people who are likely to have a need for the problem that you're looking to solve. So if your product is for chief marketing officers that need to grow, then you need to talk to chief marketing officers that need solutions to grow and try to get independent validation from them. Until you reach a sort of a threshold of you know, it could be 20, 50 or 100 paying clients, you know, the argument is that you still haven't found product market fit. 
This is easier said than done, especially if you're a VC-backed startup with investors putting pressure on you to make sales as quickly as you can and bring in cash flow. However, you know, you got to make sure that there is actually a good market demand and that you're not building a solution that's got weak demand or worse still is, is a great solution, but is very hard to um, sell profitably. It was after seeing startups he worked and interacted with struggle time and time again to sell their software that Alan felt he needed to write an article on the subject. I felt from experience that often when I went into some early stage startups, there there wasn't a really strong sales process or methodology in place. And it was sort of fly, fly by the night sort of stuff. So it got me thinking about it. And I, I talked to a number of people that had senior sales roles in different organizations and sort of used those conversations to then create the article and uh, that article you know it proves to be exceptionally popular and gains a lot of interest on a regular basis so how can startups improve their chances of turning potential clients into sales the simple answer is have a clear sales methodology in place but what is a sales methodology in terms of you know what a sales methodology is it's it's i guess it's having a methodical approach to you know how you do your sales and making sure that there are data points at the various stages that there's thoughtfulness around the approach it's something alan feels is very important for startups to have especially as they're relatively resource constrained and are not household brand names and therefore the talent pool is relatively weak and by that I mean, you know, A players often navigate towards particularly in sales where they're likely to earn a lot of money. It's very common at the initial stages for the founder to be in charge of sales. And in many instances, they lack the sales training or don't even have a formal sales process in place. According to Alan, most times these founders approach sales in a way they think it should be done rather than how it should be done. One thing that I've often seen is a meeting is secured and, you know, a half an hour slot is, is sort of granted and the CEO comes in and is very much in, you know, opening up their laptop and in broadcast mode trying to go through a presentation. The last thing someone with a sales process and formal training will do. Their starting point will be, it's got to be a conversation and dialogue and they'll have a number of questions that they'll be unpacking in their head that are nothing to do with the product, but things like, you know, is this person, you know, decision maker or is they, are they a stakeholder? Or are they just kicking tires? You know, have they got budget or have they got no budget? How, how do they typically buy solutions? So, so the dynamic is very different with someone that's well trained in this space. And that's kind of what my article is trying to get at. Alan feels that sales should be approached in a way that is thoughtful and considerate. And you need to try to come up with a process that reflects the offering that you're trying to sell meaning you can measure the various steps and look for data points to try and inform where there might be problems. It might be an initial discovery call, then a demo, then a proof of concept, then a, then a sale. And you can sort of start with leads before all of that. And you can kind of put numbers and percentages against all of these and try and understand where the biggest fall-offs are and then look to iterate and fix. So that's why processes are so important. As for how to put a sales methodology in place for your startup, Alan stresses the need to have one in place that's tailored to your own circumstances. You should never be wedded to, you know, external parties, methodologies without kind of, you know, reflecting on your own requirements and the vertical that you're operating in. He also recommends having a simple nine-step process, starting off by understanding that there's no need to reinvent the wheel. There are some simple systems out there. I referenced Spin and Sandra, I think, in the article that are, are just good reference points to start. The second part of his process is to define what he calls your persona and having a real clarity on who your ideal customer profile is. 
According to Alan, this part of the process is hugely important as it will help you market better to your ideal buyer. Your ideal buyer should have a title. So is it a CTO or is it a CMO? You need to unpack. I mean, do they even have budget making authority? I mean, are they able to actually write a check? Because if they can't, you might need to target somebody differently. As for step three, Alan recommends you do what he calls meet some friendlies. You do really need to make sure that you get in front of people that are your ideal persona that you're targeting and you kind of de-risk it for them by saying look I'm not selling I just want to have some I'm curious and most people will will, will take a meeting particularly if it's um, introduced through through a third party that you know that's linked to both of you. Your goal here really should be to conduct an intensive data gathering exercise so you can ensure that your subsequent marketing efforts are using the right language that connects with future prospects. It's really then giving you the kind of the knowledge that helps shape your sales and marketing efforts downstream. Step four in Alan's methodology is to iterate the application. So what I'm getting at this point is, is that, you, you know, is once you then unpacked that sort of information, you know, uh, you, you may need to go back then and, and, and change the, the features, right, of the application. It's important, though, to keep track of your assumptions. By keeping in regular contact with your potential customers, you're always able to improve the product or even throw out assumptions you might have had from the start. You know, you really need usage of your application and then that will inform what's working and what's not working. I mean, are people logging in every day? Are they logging in once a month? Um, are there particular features that they're using an awful lot? Is there a an onboarding process that needs to be tweaked to make sure that people are getting value early on? Because one of the problems with, our, with software when you get in first days, it's often blank or empty. There's nothing in there and people don't always appreciate the value. Whereas if you can ensure that the first time that they interact with your application, that they're deriving value from it and it's quick and easy to get get going, then it's where you'll get the, um, the sort of traction. As for step five, Alan recommends you put a basic sales process in place. That usually means the need for a CRM, a basic system like Pipedriver and Cycle or something to help manage prospects. Which leads us to step six of his methodology, creating content to generate leads. Your goal here should be to essentially build a pipeline and try to generate leads for that pipeline. One typical way to do it is using what's called inbound marketing, which is essentially, you know, writing compelling content that adds value to um, your target audience. And in return, they'll give you an email address, which then, of course, um, if they tick the little GDPR compliant box, you can then market to them. And a company's website is often the primary place most startups begin this information gathering to grow their client list. What you don't want is just random traffic that you've no idea who it is or where it goes. You do really want to try and gate some content. And by gating content, I mean put it behind a form which asks for some basic details so that then you can you can start either drip marketing or you can start sending them a material of value. And type of content you send largely depends on the type of product you're selling. If you've got a 10 or 20 buck a month application, you know, you, your motivation on the site is very much to push them to a free trial or get going. You're not putting them in a, in a sales process because, of course, the cost is so much lower. But if you're at the other end of the spectrum, elephant hunting, as we described, you know there'll be a long sales cycle. You know, you know, people will be at different phases of the journey. So what you will be looking to do is to try and uh, ensure what I would call regular touch points with them and that you are basically generating leads by capturing emails and then 
looking to nurture those leads by continuing to add value. And when the point is right and they are ready to purchase or ready to engage, then you're essentially front of mind. Also, outbound marketing has a role to play here too. It can't be just marketing's responsibility to generate leads. It's very much a case of, you know, having real clarity around the, the kind of the pain and who's struggling with the pain and then, you know, doing some outbound emailing and calling to try and get some leads into the pipeline as well. Once you start generating some leads, step seven is qualifying the prospect. And according to Alan, this happens when you're having conversations with any leads that come in. You might do some initial qualification in your form to get the basics like name, email, size of business and so on. However, the main qualification comes during the discovery call. The key qualifying piece comes on the discovery call when you are looking to sort of, for both parties' sake, you're trying to sort of accelerate the process and say, actually, yeah, you're a, you know, your pain and what you're looking for is exactly what we offer. Or if it's not being, you know, making a speedy decision and sort of, you know, explaining that you're not quite right in terms of fit. As for step eight, it's managing the meeting. Once the prospect has been qualified and a face-to-face meeting has been arranged, it's important to set the meeting agenda. So instead of defaulting to presentation mode where you run through a PowerPoint presentation, Alan recommends focusing on having a conversation where you seek to understand their needs a little better, as well as to get an understanding as to how they buy solutions like yours. This is important because... Unless you know some of these answers, you know, you can't then in confidence go and sort of present a solution that's going to be something of value to them. And finally, step nine, closing the deal. This is the most important part of the sales methodology. It involves getting a prospect over the line. You know, at this stage, hopefully you, you got real clarity as to, you know, who your internal champion is, right? So, so invariably there's someone internally that's, you know, pitching pitching for this and sort of, and let's remember they are taking a risk. So they are going out on a limb a little bit. So again, it's around you understanding the, the buying process from their side of the fence. Does it need to go through procurement? Does it need to go through legals? You know, how do they typically buy solutions like this? So it's very much at this end of this sort of process, you're very much in collaborative mode. Alan recommends thinking about this step from the buyer's perspective. Which makes sense because a customer buys a solution with the belief that it's going to add a lot of value to their business. You know, roll on six months. What they don't want is, oh, Alan, you know, that solution uh, has been a real pain. No one can understand how to use it. We've spent 500 grand on it. It's not even installed properly. It's not working. Of course, the, 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 what they really want is, wow, Alan, thank you so much. You, you know, that was just incredible. You know, we had... Um, so many people spending so many hours doing manual tasks and you sort of led with bringing in a, a software application that's really transformed our operations. It's also important to be really clear about the next steps at this stage. There's no uncertainty. It's, it's crystal clear that X company is meeting on the 5th of August. Um, all the decision makers are going to be there. They're going to make a decision at the end and there'll be an order sent through following it. So, so that's the kind of level that you need to be at. So what kind of results can founders expect if they follow this sales methodology? In terms of results from this, I mean, what, what it will mean is that there's a lot more focus on methodology. There's a lot more transparency around process. It's much easier to measure results because people can put data points against these various steps. And this removes a lot of uncertainty and variance because you can literally see how many leads are going to the top and how many are dropping off. And then you can sort of reverse engineer and see at which stages are we running up against blockers that are meaning that people aren't going through the funnel. 
The biggest takeaway from our chat with Alan is that it's essential to put in place a sales methodology that helps you understand your ideal buyers so that you can speak their language when you market to them. By learning about them, their company and their problems, you're going to be really well-placed to sell your solution to them. Alan points out that this is the same methodology that some of the most successful companies in the world use to sell their software. This is the language they use. This is the processes that they talk about. These are the sorts of um, ways that they view the world. And if you look at the value in terms of those companies have created in terms of shareholder value and, and, and sort of um, clearly they're doing something right. We hope you found our chat with Alan useful and interesting. And hopefully it's got you thinking about implementing a sales methodology for your startup if you don't have one already. We'd like to say a special thanks to Alan for taking the time to chat with us and to you for listening to this episode of the show. If you'd like to learn more about Alan and Work With Agility, you can check out his website at workwithagility.com or follow him on Twitter with the handle at Alan Gleason. Next time, I'll be catching up with Xavi, the man behind SaaS Stories, to talk about the top three ways podcasting can benefit your startup. Looking forward to seeing you then.